to the BPM cast. It is uh, March 22nd, 2012. My name is Will Ryan. I'm here with uh, Rob Kimian. Yo. Eric Berg. Hey, guys. And we found Phil. Phil's back. Phil Kosaurus. Hey, guys. Um, man, so we were gone last week. Uh, well, not all of us. Well, I mean, we didn't have a podcast last week. Well, we did, because uh, Eric recorded our first ever video podcast. Um, it's a very professional production. I haven't watched that yet. Is it just you building Legos for an hour? How yeah. have you not watched that yet? It's probably the best I, thing I've ever I've been sleeping. We'll, we'll talk about why I haven't watched that yet. Um, get, get on that, though. Serious. Everybody. What did, did you talk during it, too? Yeah, I just talked about some random stuff that was going on that week. What'd you talk about? Mm, some news and some albums that came out and stuff okay. I'd been so listening to. So you basically to. did a one-man podcast. Yeah, it was it was really bad. Well, I, actually, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And I've actually gotten good. some like ridiculously good feedback. People saying good things, but it, it was just a funny kind of joke thing. But it was cool. I you know it would be awesome is if we could centralize BPM and start doing video content. Because that's the future, man. Especially, we could just, like, we could do uh, Legos and music. That could be our thing. Dude, look at Anthony Fantana. He couldn't go anywhere at South by without getting recognized. He's a superstar these days. Yeah. Just because he does video content. So that's where, that's where we were. Rob and I went to South by Southwest last week. Well, let's um, leave that for the end, for the future. That's, that's our tease. Let's talk about some news first. Okay. Uh, hasn't, really, hasn't really been any news, has there? No, nothing happened. So the the no, one, no, the one, no chance of a white stripes reunion. How about yeah. that? Is that a story? Well, oh uh, come on, there's more news than that. Why is that a story? Like, is hasn't it only been two years? Hasn't even been two years since yes. they officially said they split. It hasn't even been a year, has it? No, I don't think so. So why? You know what? I'm gonna call Jack White a liar and say there is a chance. No, but like I, I get this. It made it sound like people were asking if they were going to re- like reunite tomorrow, which like like ten years down the line, sure. Like, yeah, you but, don't know. He doesn't know what how he's going to feel in a few years or however many years. You know, it's just like right now, it's a reasonable answer, but I'm not buying that. They'll never no get re- back together. The thing is, there's no reason for them to get get back together if he's just going to keep playing a lot of their big hits on tour on solo tour anyway. It's not like people are missing the opportunity to see those songs live, which is the main reason for a re- reunion. It's like I want to go exactly. see Talking Heads play because I haven't seen them play Psycho Killer, but I can go see Jack White play Seven Nation Army anytime I want. Yeah, but so, it's it's not the same. Like with with the duo, you get such a it's weird. Pro- it's probably flash, better. So. No, it's probably better. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, that's. I, I mean, I haven't seen the new Jack White project, but I heard the drummer's better. <laughs> well, of course, but he's got he's got he's got two whole different bands. They change halfway through. That's what I heard. I think you guys are missing the whole point of like why the White Stripes were so good as a duo, though. Like it, it was, there's so much impulse and spontaneity to their live shows. Like, you know, like they they had such a uh, a dynamic rapport that they could just break into any song at any minute and. And the fact that, you know, you only have one uh, instrument that's playing um, any kind of, you know, scale, you can do anything he wants. So with a full band, it limits him to just play the songs. So I, I think it's a little unfair to say it's, it's like, the same thing. You know? I hear ya. I hear you. Make, you bring up good points, Will. 
yeah, I also think it, it'd be cool to have a Jack White. I mean, a White Stripes Union, that'd be cool. But I thought the fact that Jack White's playing the big White Stripes hit on t- hits on tour kind of rubs me the wrong way. I think if you wanted to use, if you wanted to play some White Stripes songs, you should have played some songs that the White Stripes weren't playing when they were touring. You should like gone in and got some deep cuts, and then when the White Stripes reunited, they could go back to playing the hits. I, no, but I mean, people are paying money to go see Jack White. You know, it's like kind of it's not an obligation to play the hits, but like he's doing the casual fan a solid. No, I, not everyone's Rob that wants to hear the deep cuts. You know, <laughs> I will say that I think it is cool that they're doing full band renditions of those songs because that you know, like that it isn't a White Stripe show. You can do something different with it, and I think that's cool for the time being because like. Yeah, they only broke up a year ago or so and just do something different for the meantime and then, you know, once White Stripes kind of kind of fades into the background, then it'll be like any other band that's, you know, been a, been apart for, you know, a decade or more. They'll reunite for some shows and all that. Yeah, they'll come back and headline Coachella and then play some dates. Yeah, like there's no way that's not happening. I mean, maybe maybe the world is end, ended by then, but so we're all we'll all just say Jack White's a liar. You're a liar, yeah. Jack White. Is is Jack White technically in a cover band now? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it's like a half doing, cover they're, band. They're doing Dead Weather as well, aren't they? Well, they're, they're I, doing all all his bands. I mean, yeah. every review that I've read of that set that they played at South by sounded so awesome. Like, I really wish I had gone to that. But also, I heard the it was insane to get into. So. You don't say. Yeah, go yeah. figure. Um, what else? Is that the only thing that's happened? No. Because that hasn't even happened. That's hot Chip. Even... That was while well, you guys were gone, right? New Hot Chip. Oh, yeah. I haven't heard the new song. How is it? It's good. Yeah, I like it. It's there. really good. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's like a YouTube like recording of like, and it sounds like it's like even like secondhand at that because it's kind of like done from a camera angle. It's like on the record player or something. Like that, so oh, it doesn't. So it's, sa- it's, you don't get like the full how it's actually going to sound on album. Kind yeah, of this is uh, this is DFA do this quite a lot, huh? It, yeah, exactly. Kind of- but I mean, it sounded like oh, they're back on DFA. No, they're actually not on DFA. Oh, but it's, it's a DFA. I know DFA do it. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, Rob. Like, yeah, like yeah. they've done that before. But um, it sounded really good though. The song. Cool. I'm wow. a big Hot Chip fan. So I'm excited yeah. about this. As am I. I'm very excited. Hot Chip have gradually won me over over the years. I think their last album was great. I thought. Oh, you uh, should I, listen to their. You should listen I've, to I've their listened, first one. Yeah, I've gone back and listened to all of them. I don't think their second one's very good. The second yeah. one's the the worst of them. But I mean, I think yeah. they're all good. But I, I got into Hot Chip like pretty much from the beginning. I remember when the first yeah. album came out, and I got into it pretty immediately. Colors. That's such a jam. Yeah, Colors is amazing. I was definitely in at the ground floor, too, and it was, yeah, I think that album's still a little bit ahead of its time. Like, I, I yeah. it's still, it still sounds fresh today. Like, I, I it's, can, it's an amazing record. I can go, I can remember, like, the first time I heard it, and there's not a lot of records like that, but I can remember, like, where I was the first time I heard Hot Chip. Yeah. Um, yeah. new Neil Young and Crazy Horse album? Does anybody Could care about good. that? I care. I'm gonna, definitely gonna listen to it, but, I mean... I don't really have that high hopes for it. I'll Would listen to it if Rob listens to it and tells me it's amazing. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. We have we have all the details about the new Beach House album. 
Will, you probably want to talk We have more that. than that. I think we, yeah. Um, Shh, I'm, I'm with you, Will. I like, I love Beach House. We can't yeah, openly advocate you. people downloading the leak. No, we can't. Can we talk about how, how Sub Pop needs to sort this out? I mean, <laughs> yeah, we can talk about label. that. How Sub do Pop, they shit together. <laughs> I mean, if you remember, Teen Dream leaked, like, it was one of the earliest leaks that I can ever remember. It was like four months. It was it that that album I, I saw like just on people who didn't really know the the music business or weren't paying attention to new albums. They put it on their top albums of two thousand nine list. Like it was that far in advance that people thought it was a two thousand nine album. But I mean, the thing about sub pop leaks, it's like it's not going to hurt Beach House at all. This league. No, no, it won't hurt them, but it's still kind of. It must be kind of disheartening for the band to like their music's out there even before like they've released the cover art or yeah. anything. It's like nowhere near the final package, which is what they want the people to have. Do you think they released but, that cover art because it leaked? Probably, right? Maybe I don't know. What do you guys think of the cover? Everything I, about this is leaked, though. Like even the release date leaked. <laughs> yeah, even the release date leaked before yeah. they even wanted to announce. I wonder if they'll bring Grant forward. I like the cover a lot. I do too. It's it's simple, but it, it kind of matches. It matches myth. I'll say. How about that? Um, I, I like the simple cover. Or I mean, you can imagine it becoming iconic in time. I really like the cover of uh, Teen Dream too. That's a great album sleeve. I like all things Beaches. I like the one with the cake, Devotion. That's a good cover too. Yeah, I like cake. <laughs> um, Who doesn't like cake? You guys don't, don't like, like cake. Anyway, no one. Oh, everyone likes cake. Should we talk some about? Some people like pie. Some people like pie, man. Some people like both. Sometimes uh, I like pie on my cake. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's just messed up. What else? Y'all crazy. Y'all crazy. <laughs> uh, should we talk about El Sweatshirt or should we not avoid that? No, we We're... should talk about. Soul Wax oh. remixing Arcade Fire. That was pretty awesome. And isn't there on the rumors of a new Soul Wax album coming this year? <laughs> no. I've heard I've heard rumors. I've heard rumblings. Yeah, there have been those rumblings for like three years. Like there's been rumblings since they put out that documentary. I gave you a shout out on that Soul Wax. I know, I saw that. Yeah. I was awfully I was awfully proud of that. I, I, yeah, I associate you with Soul Wax. What else is there? Uh, New- Titus Andronicus mixtape. That was pretty cool and out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. I, I, oh, bought yeah. That on, I bought that on CD for two bucks, and then by the time I got back from South By, they put it on the internet for free. They scam artists. <laughs> I haven't listened to it yet, have you? Have you? No, I haven't, I haven't even put it in my computer yet. But yeah, I got okay. a special. It was limited to 200 copies. I got number 37. There you go, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. M83 release, are releasing a remix uh, EP of. Reunion, I think. Yeah. They already did the Midnight City one. I don't think any of those remixes were very good. No. So I find it hard to get excited about yeah, that. Yeah, I find it hard to get excited about any remix-based thing. Hey, guess what, guys? What? You can listen to the second ever Pavement show. Oh, uh, yeah? How, how was it? <laughs> I don't. I couldn't name one Pavement song, so I don't know. I love Pavement, and I'm not. I was not intrigued to listen to that. <laughs> I don't did, did you listen to any of it, though, Phil? No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be bothered. Like, 
Pavement, hey, I mean, I yeah, know. Pavement were a fun band to see live, I guess, but it's not left, like, I'd want to listen to their live show for the privacy of my own home, especially their second ever live show when they probably weren't that good. Not their first ever, but their second ever when they're better than their first ever. Yeah, they had, they had refined their sound by then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it came a long way. Um, do we want to check in with Odd Future? Nah. Nah? Okay. Um... Pitchfork ran. Pitchfork posted. They 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 posted and uh, one post was just the fact that like Earl Sweatshirt is a thing, and he's in New York, and that was like a post. Yeah. And then this morning they because it was his first ever live show, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that. Yeah, but they covered it today, right? Like they had all this coverage up today of the whole concert, and that's cool. Like, why do you run a post? All it literally said was like, "Hey, this person is back. He will be at the show." Highly bloggable content, Eric. I mean, she pissed me off. In a in a in the context of modern indie site posts, it makes sense. I mean, Earl is a meme, and one that people are still attached to. I guess so. Um, it makes sense to post that he is is exists somewhere. <laughs> um, For the record, Earl Sweatshirt exists. Yeah. Um, what else? Is that... We're really, we're really, um... We're moving. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, I don't know the term for it, but it's, we're, it's the dregs of music news we're at now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're struggling. Aesop Mob something. Oh, yeah, they got a fight at South By, huh? Yeah. Probably because they were so terrible. I walked past one of his shows and it was so bad. Oh, here's something interesting. Uh, Oshega announced their lineup. Oh yeah, who's on it? It looks pretty um, good. It is pretty good. Where's the poster? I can't really find the poster. But three, um, the weekend. Wait, so yeah. how do you pronounce it? I think it's uh, Osh- I, I think it's Oshiega. Oshiega. I could be oh. totally wrong. Cause, yeah, because I pronounce it Oshiega, but yeah. I don't really know any better. I guess. I've been, and that's how I pronounce it. So. I mean, I like looking at these. I you know, right. when you get a new festival lineup, you kind of look for bands that you haven't heard of in a while, mm-hmm. or heard from, and then you kind of imagine, you know, you probably begin some new music sooner rather than later from some of these bands. So a band like uh, Block Party is on there? Yeah, Block Party have been uh, making fr- run things. But Block Party just tweeted today, they have finished writing from here on out, it's recording, so. Yeah, Franz <laughs> Ferdinand is on, the, on there, so. Yeah, I'd Franz- be down for another Fra- Franz album. That'd be good. Yeah, Fra- Friends are on the Primavera Sound there as well. So Tame Impala, there's there's one we haven't heard from in a while. Tame Impala, uh, Yay is on there. That was two years ago. Yeah, Tommy Tommy Impala's been busy with all that pond stuff because it's three out of the four members of Tommy Impala are in. Why are, are you calling? In why are you calling it Tommy Impala? Because that's yeah. how I pronounce it. I pronounce the E. Why it's it's Tommy. Tame Impala? You crazy. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Nope. Uh, I mean, Seeger Ross is a big one that's on there. I mean, like, yeah, can yeah. imagine probably good new Seeger Ross. I, I, said, I, said, I, said, I said to Will, isn't it, isn't it weird that we haven't heard anything about Ross? Yeah, considering it's supposed to come out in spring, I think it's not going to come out until next year. Yeah, but I, I, this seems to say otherwise. I think I think we'll hear about it soon. But it is okay, kind of okay. weird because I, I was thinking April and May release. We haven't heard anything about it since that. Hey, we're recording. Yeah. 
Yeah, Calexico. That's another good one. Yeah. You know, oh, I yeah. Have a, I like them. Passion Pit. I, yeah. Yeah, Passion, Passion Pit. Pit. I, mean, I guess... Uh, down. We've heard some rumblings about... They're, I think they're pretty much different. Right? MGMT, I guess. We went on there. Probably do for a new album. Yeah, but MGMT is not good. I think they just like, like playing festivals. They do uh, like playing festivals. Yeah. The girls go crazy for Passion Pit. As they should. As as the boys should as well. Passion Pit's awfully low on the lineup poster. Which it's is kind weird. of strangely arranged. Oh, Brand New's on there. I'm a big Brand New fan. I'm sure none of you really can, but I love Brand pa- New. Passion so, Pit's yeah. lower than Plants and Animals. Plants and Animals, granted, are from Canada, but still, it's like... I think Passion Pit's much bigger than Plants and Animals. Yeah, awesome. that's pretty good. I'm surprised M83 hasn't made it to the big font on that. Yeah, it's really weird. And City and Color has. Yeah, but that's Canadian as well. I can't think maybe of they're Canadian. really maybe they're really awesome remix EP will put them on the big font. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's weird. When I went, Marion Hobbs was DJing. Like, do you guys know who that is? Rob, uh, you know, yeah, you know who that is. Uh, yeah, I know who that she is. was DJing and it was just like I don't know. I guess I don't know how big she is, but she's she's sorta of huge. Is she, like a, is she a Radio 1 host or something? Yeah. She, she used to be Radio 1. She's on XFM now. Uh, right. I, I only know like, Annie Mac. She's like a huge gatekeeper for for dubstep and bass music. And I mean, she's the one Tom York gave his his like exclusive mix to. Yeah, so she's kind of got, she's got hookups. Oh, okay. Hey, Rob. Yeah? Have you ever met any of those, those hosts over at Radio 1? I have not. Should I? Should I try and meet up oh. with them? Oh, I don't know. Annie Mac is just like one of my idols when it comes to like DJing and radio playing. I think she's terrific. Cool, man. Florence in the Machine. Yeah. Flow in the Mo. I'll be. I'll probably go to that. Are you going go to go to cover it? Yeah, I'll cover it. You should do that. Well, remember I'm, last year we talked about you covering it, didn't we? Yeah, but it was, I don't know, it became a clusterfuck. It was like last yeah. minute. We ended up turning down our coverage for that festival. Um, okay. Due to reasons we won't talk about on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Secret <laughs> reasons. <laughs> um, big murder scandal that we got into. Anyway. <laughs> a lot of blood. A lot of blood. Um, that's, let's, that's it for news, I think. Um, what, a, what, what a great news. That was our best news segment ever. We are on point today, guys. <laughs> That's what happened in music recently. Um, so let's talk about what we've been listening to. Uh, Phil, what have you been listening to? I've been listening to the new Shins album, Port of Morrow. And... Um, I'm pretty okay with it. I, get, I reviewed it. You gave site. it your I'm, famous 69. I gave it the 69. Phil 69. <laughs> it's a very... Which I think is fair, you know? Um, I listened to the album quite a bit. It was my... I, I've been getting in the habit of putting CDs in my car now that I'm reviewing and just listening to it nonstop every time I'm driving. And it's a short album, so it could, pretty much any time I drive anywhere, I could get through it. <laughs> so, um... But it, yeah, I'm kind of glad I'm done with it. Don't really want to revisit it too soon. Um, as I don't know, I think it's the worst Shins album of the four. Yeah, I agree, but I still like it a lot. 
I like it. I mean, I like it. Sixty nine. You know. <laughs> it's got it's got its moments, but it's just like definitely doesn't have like I don't know. Even even the last album, like the classic songs, like like Sleeping Lessons, you know, like trump anything on this new album. Is that is that what it is? Like it, that it's a Shins album and it's not up to up to snuff with it. The, the yeah, I think. It seems really disposable. It seems like it'd be it's like pleasant enough while you're listening to you, but really easy to forget. As as not a Shin I'm not a Shins fan. And as an outsider it it didn't have the kind of fanfare that I I would expect a Shins album to have. And it sounds like the the music kind of matches that, like you said disposable. It's kinda of like the vibe that I get just even outside of the record itself. Well and that's kind of the thing I that I've always liked about the Shins is it's kinda of, it appeals to a more emotional joy of music, you know. It's kind of, you know, he's got he's he's good with the turn of phrase, and he creates lyrics that can kind of mean something. You remember, I mean, like the famous thing about the Shins was, you know, from Garden State, and like, you know, this song will change your life, you know. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad no reviewers that I've read really brought that bring that up anymore when they talk about the Shins, right. but. There's nothing on here that's life changing or even like day changing, you know. Except, I don't know, simple song kind of kind of rules. Like it, it's, yeah, it's, simple it's, song like, gets stuck in my head every time. I think simple song and September are both no. like. You guys are forgetting. Shows. You guys are forgetting. Bane switch. Bane switch is a good song too. It's good. There's oh. a lot of good songs. I mean, it's mostly good songs, but it's yeah. not. It's not special songs or like you know this song will change your life. And that's what James Mercer's kind of always banked on. Like for his like his greatest moments, they're like. There's songs that you go, you sit and listen to, and you're wowed by. Even like yeah. Dark Knight of the Soul and his his contribution to that, the Insane yeah. Lullaby was the best part of that album. Yeah, and that's and that song, it's just like you listen to it and you're like wowed by it, you're floored by it. It's it's a beautiful, like stunning song. That's kind of how I feel about like uh, music in 2012 so far. Like great stuff. Nothing has really like changed my life as antiquated as wanting a song to change my life is or searching for that is like nothing has really stopped me in my tracks and I mean other actually we're gonna talk about an album that kind of made me do that today but before that I don't know did you guys I've just been thinking about did you guys read that AV Club for your consideration uh write up about kind of like the Tumblr cycle of music and how it's like affecting the way that we consume music as as uh content rather than, you know, music. Just that we burn no, through too fast, basically. Well, I haven't read it, but I want to, though, because I really wanted to it's, hear someone talk about that. It's really interesting, like, and he, and, uh, he uses Grimes as an example, um, being this kind of, I don't know, I can't really paraphrase it um, that well, but, um, I don't know, read it, I guess, is all I'll say. You can't sum it up? I want to hear about it. Um, let's see, what, what is it? I think it's an interesting topic. No, it is. It would be ripe for discussion. Like, it, it's just about how, you know, we live in such a, fa- like, kind of, the internet has created this sort of cycle of such a uh, quick and disposable form. That's how we consume our media. Um, and that music has sort of taken on that, um, that, that sort of dynamic as well, where you know, a lot of the, a lot of this music is just like, oh, you, you finish a song, you put it out there, maybe it's part of, you know, a chill wave-esque 
uh, scene, and then, you know, the internet moves from that onto another thing, so it's just like a momentary kind of, um, uh, online-based sort of, uh, way of, way of consuming your, your media, your art, or your, your music in this case. And he uses Grimes as an example because Grimes did that, that video for, uh, Oblivion, I think it was? Um, where she's, she, you know, a lot of people, I haven't watched that video actually yet. I really wonder where she's dancing around at the, at the motorcycle rally thing. Yeah. And I think like the the big truck show. And I think the point he was making there was that, you know, Grimes is sort of a part of this, um, this cycle, this, I I wish I could use a a better, a single word to sum it up, but it's sort of that, um, I'll say disposable sort of cycle of music and, um, he argued that kind of her music sounds like that, very in touch with the kind of post-internet uh, way of doing things, and that that has become a phrase. And then that that video is such a you know she's going into this space that's dominated dominated by kind of masculine bro dudes, and it's in re- it's in real life versus you know just an an online kind of fantasy um, sort of abstract sense of reality, and it gives. And he ends the article with just, you know, this is the first kind of real-world um, hint that, that this artist has occupied versus just occupying the internet. And it's like we need more of, of I think the point that he's trying to make is that we need more of those kind of weighty uh, um, places, that, that kind of real-life uh, uh, impact th- instead of this kind of cycle that, you know, just disposes of music. And I and my the thing I took away from the article is like I wonder if that's kind of you know infecting all kinds of music just the way that we consume it on the internet and you know we post remixes and singles all day long and and kind of just kind of go from one thing to the next. I mean we're we're kind of I mean we sort of provide the content so I guess it's we have a weird relationship with it. But I mean, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, the one thought that occurs to me out of this whole disposable music thing, I think I agree, and it's just made me wonder, like, when was the last time you heard an album that you think is kind of sounds timeless? Like, everything sounds so current and and disposable. Like, there's no albums. Even my favorite albums of last year, I probably won't revisit them that often again. Yeah. I mean, I agree and I don't agree. I mean, I, I think I, I can think of stuff that I listen to that I think... It, is timeless, and I, I I go back to stuff pretty often. But I agree. I think it's just in the pure amount of music we're inundated with. It's like back, you know, ten, twenty years ago. Like even being a music writer, like no one listened to as much music as we do. Like you didn't have to listen to everything. You know, it's like you listen to a, a few major labels were playing. You know, and like you know whatever's getting some buzz. But it's like. Now it's there's so much out there. It's so complete. It's like everyone feels like they need to have an opinion on everything. Yeah, and it, and, create, and and yeah, it makes it kind of superficial in a way, you know, where it's just like it's it's in one ear out the other a lot of times. I guess the other the other point that's worth bringing up is that um, you know this music is very uh, it has to be surface deep to make to catch on, you know, like and I think that's where it could have a negative impact is if. In order to catch attention online, we're talking online world, and I don't think this is you know black or white kind of way things work in music, but it certainly works on a Tumblr. I don't know. He used Tumblr as a kind of example where a lot of this music is shared, 
and for that sort of for that sort of music to catch on, it has to be you know instantaneous. It has to be has to have a very surface level kind of hook to it. Where I think you know that plays against listening to albums on your own and being sort of moved by them and investing in them and letting them kind of you know evolve for your for your own personal listening and kind of invest in it in that in that personal way I guess and it's like you don't get that with this sort of Tumblr whore type stuff and I don't yeah. know if that's like infected do you just call Grimes a whore <laughs> who said somebody said whore I said Tumblr core oh Tumblr core sorry yeah I, I thought you said whore as well Tumblr whore I mean that's a thing too right um, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I I just I'm afraid of music becoming more and more surface level because we do spend a lot of time talking about music that is very surface level and kind of instantaneous. And you know, we we operate on on this level of you know if it doesn't grab us right away, then we might as well you know not invest in it. And I think that's that's you know that yeah. can be dangerous. Yeah, taking taking it back to the shins, like. I remember the, like the beginning of the Pitchfork review goes on about how how much has happened since the last Shins album came out, and I I remember taking time to get into the last Shins album. Like I didn't like it instantly, but these days I'm I'm we haven't got the time to listen to it as much. I think maybe if I don't, if Phil said he's listened to this one quite a lot, I haven't had as much time to listen to it. But I think it kind of suffers. I think James Mercer's kind of music, you need time to listen to it more and more, and you know try and decipher the lyrics because his lyrics are not cut and dry like there's a lot of interpretation to be had and i think maybe yeah on this the, on this one though um, the lyrics are kind of hokey <laughs> at times you think i i kind of like the the lyrics that i've that have i mean like it's only life like like you know like the big coda and that's like won't you pick up the telephone pick up the receiver you know it's like like we haven't heard that before you know like a pick up the telephone song yeah, I guess. And it's just like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> sigh. <laughs> it, it just didn't. Uh, For a fool was another one. Is like, you know, the chorus. I, you know, I was taken for a fool because I was a fool. It was just kind of like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was not not the deepest of sentiments there. I don't know. It sounded like uh, in my album review, I, I I talk about it sounds more mature. It, they kind of reach like this Wilco state where it sounds very comfortable and mature, and it's it's you know it's it's likable on a certain level, but it's not with it doesn't have the same passion or intensity or the thing that made you like the band in the first place. I don't think. I think James Mercer is a bit too uh, satisfied with life now. Now that he's married and whatever, he's got no like. Happy, happiness those... is the enemy of art, man. Yeah, it's true. You're so deep, Phil. <laughs> I stand by that statement, though. I don't know about that. Yeah, you're probably... I, I don't think it's happiness. I think it's uh, satisfaction. Complete con- contentment is the end of yeah. art. Because I can be happy and make good art, but if I'm, like, completely satisfied... I mean, good art by my... I don't know what I mean by that. But <laughs> anyway, I'll just stop talking. Um, yeah. I, I guess in conclusion, go go read that. Uh, AV Club article that was that was one of the best things they had done for for because I feel like their music coverage is a little spotty in places, but that was definitely one of the most interesting things that they've done in a while. And ev- everyone was shocked by the Shins getting Best New Music, right? 
Yeah, Did they get sure. best music? Yeah, eight point four best new music for that album. Jeez, that yeah. was like left field for me. I was like, I see. Yeah. I thought I was being generous with my sixty nine. <laughs> yeah. That was the most the most random best new music since uh, Wits End by what's his face, Cass McCombs. Cass McCombs. Yeah, since yeah, Willis Earl Beal. I, I said most <laughs> most random best new music since Cat Coffee. And I was I was so really surprised when the Cat Coffee. What? One no way. Uh, the Cat Coffee one is worthy. Nah. I think Wits End is worthy too. But. Wait, did they get best new music to the newest one? To the newest cut copy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, gross. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What? The? It's not a bad. It's not a bad album. It's not an eight point whatever. Yeah, man. it is. It totally is. No way. Yes, y'all crazy. Y'all crazy. It's high eights. I gave it an eighty-seven where I used to write. I think I gave it a sixty-nine. Yeah, that's another sixty-nine. <laughs> so that's what you gave so, so it was Castle so Combs with that. Any, anything you 69, Pitchfork, best well, new best music. Well, best new music, yeah. I almost gave 69 to girls, but I, I, went, I felt a little generous and gave it a 70. You almost what? 69 girls. Ah, that sounds funny. <laughs> I'm not beyond this. All right. So, okay. <laughs> That's the end of the podcast. Um, inappropriate. We have to mark this explicit on iTunes now. <laughs> Phil, Jesus. Um... Um, Eric, what have you been listening to? Not ready for this. Um, I've been listening to Future Unlimited. Which is a, a new band. Um, they're, they're releasing their... Well, they're sort of releasing... Soft releasing? I don't. I don't technically know. They sort of released their self-titled debut EP during South by Southwest. Um, their manager slash friend of the site, um, EJ Friedman, was handing out a bunch of download cards there, and you can go stream and you know listen to the album online. But um, I think it's getting like a full proper release later in the probably in the summer, I would say. But um, yeah, it's it's really good. Um, it's these two guys that kind of I guess they lived in like the same apartment complex, and then they came to sort of came together over their love of old mu- well, not old music, but music from like the sev- like late seventies and eighties, even some like nineties kind of stuff. But just like kind of um, like new wave almost, um, like. Hmm. <laughs> I compared them to a couple of different bands in my review, which will go up later this week. But um, yeah, it's just kind of like it's kind of fun electronic new wave, but not in like a hokey trying to be retro to be cool way. Like it's it's pulled off really well. Like it sounds authentic, and it's really it's really like it's upbeat and exciting. It's a really fun record. I love it. When's that? Or uh, is that self-release? You said. Yeah, yes, for now. I don't know. Plans seem to always be changing with this record. So, for now, yeah. I know you can go l- listen to it online, right? But for the future, I, I don't really know. The future is unlimited. Whoa! <laughs> to answer your Whoa. question. Whoa! <laughs> uh, I saw them at South by Southwest. Oh, you did see them? That's awesome. Yeah, they played They played a couple dates at South by Southwest, which apparently went well. So Yeah, I, uh, it was good. They were... 
there should have been more they were a bit static on stage except the keyboardist and he had to stay still and it, it looked like his keyboard was going to fall over through the whole set but that was the one thing that stuck with me but Wait. no it was fun did I see them? no it was the consequence of sound show they were the first band oh, on. Okay. You, you, you were late there it was Brighton yeah I only saw like their last two songs so I didn't write about them but uh, yeah it was fun it was good good show they are Kind of yeah, new wavey. I think Eric's pretty much nailed the sound. Wait, but I think more new wave guitar, flange no, or synthy. Okay. Maybe a, a bit like New Order meets. I was going to say Joy Division, but that sounds retarded. No, it, no. There so are some. Are... There are some more like there are some like slower, more not like romantic but sort of in that vein. Kind of like uh, Joy Division, but not really like that at all. Yeah, but they are like New Order. You know, you think? Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like New Order. But uh, my problem with this is, like, it's the kind of thing we were just talking about. Like, you enjoy it for a week, and then you're just, just going to forget about it. No, no, I've been listening to this album for for a while now, I will say. For a, over a month, month and a half. We should stop calling it an album. It's a 25-minute five-track. I'm sorry. It's, yeah, the EP. I've been you, don't, listening- you don't want to mislead the listeners. They'll be like, oh, I want to go stream this album. Oh, wait, it's only five tracks. Those bastards. I'm never listening to their podcast again. Well, if it gets them to listen to it, I'll be happy. <laughs> so let me just reiterate. This double LP is really good, and you should go <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> double LP with one song on each side. Comes on tri. It's a trifold vinyl. You should pick it up. It's really beautiful. Has anyone checked out that new Lil B like triple album or whatever it is? <laughs> Just shut up. Uh, not- we gave it a pos- we gave it a positive review. So did Pitchfork. It's- yeah, it's everybody just- did. Anyway, who cares about Lil B? Anything else to say about Future Unlimited? Okay. Um, I think it's really good. It's I think I hope it doesn't become overlooked. Like I'm glad that a lot of outlets have picked up on this but we've posted one of their songs haven't we or two yeah I've posted oh, no, we had to take, then we had to take it down or something uh, it was a weird thing but it's it's up there but um, yeah we did that and then yeah Consequence of Sound has backed them like a lot which is good and The Recommender and, and different things but I think it's I don't know I think it's really awesome I think these guys are super talented and um, yeah I mean it's free to download and stream so it's, it's and- just two two guys right yeah, it's two guys. Yeah, it's four guys in the band, but two two main guys. Oh, it's four people in the band. Yeah, live. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. what have I been listening? Will, what have you been listening to? Well, Will, I've been listening to. <laughs> hey, Will. What? What you been listening to? Um. Oh, I've been listening to the Satisfactions. Uh, all natural. Um, which I like a lot. I've only listened to it a couple times, so it hasn't fully sunk in yet. And it's an album that I think you have to listen to. It's definitely not one of those albums we were talking about earlier, which just kind of listen to it once and move on. It's it's um, I guess the first thing people will will note when talking about this band is uh, their connection to Shabazz Palaces. Um, like I I think they were on uh. Black Up last year, and, and Ishmael makes a couple appearances here. 
Um, and it's sort of this similar type of um, kind of experimental hip hop. Not as experimental as, as Shabazz, but. Yeah, definitely not. Um, it's, more, it's more soul. soul yeah, it it's got a lot of like 90s soul touches to it. And it reminds me of kind of uh, Erica Badu's most recent stuff, like the first World War stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, it's really good. Um, and yeah. Man. It's on next week on Sub Pop. Yeah. Sub Pop is now my new favorite hip hop label. Go figure. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it, that's the other thing. is it, It's like a really refreshing kind of two, two females, female rapper, singer, and, and female singer. Um, and it's really different. It's not like anything else you'll, you'll hear from most other kind of hip hop uh, groups. It's a. Uh, Kind of has you know a in a kind of um, activist edge to it a little bit and actually rapping about stuff versus not anything and uh, yeah I like that about it it has a point of view um, so check that out I've also been listening to wait don't we any of us get to talk about these status no we're just, we're just going <laughs> I I, did you guys I like it, to it too Bill I like it too oh, yes, you listen I listen to, to it, it. okay yeah. Cool. Oh yeah, I listened to it. Okay. Love me some Shabazz Palaces. The Satisfaction actually, the first time I saw Shabazz Palaces was last year at South by Southwest. And um, they played the Sub Pop Showcase and The Satisfaction came out and jammed with them a bit. Oh, awesome. I didn't know who they were at the time. It was just two girls came on stage and <laughs> started, started rapping and stuff. And you're... But, yeah, I, I think it is a... I mean, the Shabazz Palaces comparisons are warranted, you know? But yeah. the production is way different. It's like not way different, but I mean, it's like it's its own thing, you know. Yeah, it's not going to be. It's not a rehash or trying to like capitalize on something else's popularity. They're doing their own thing. I would say they sound more like the Shabazz Palace's EPs than they do Black Up. If that's, if I can say that. Like they, you can say that. Okay, uh, I, I will. <laughs> I, as I just did. Yeah, I think it's something um, creative and interesting and special and worth. Our listeners checking it out. Yeah. Um, I think it's an album that's going to really kind of grow on me a lot. I can tell, like, first listen, I wasn't, like, blown away by it, but I was like, there's definitely something here, and it's kind of grown on me more and more. So it's, like, one of those, I mean, like like Black Up was, I think. That album was sort of like, what the hell is this? And it, you have to let it kind of sink in. So, anybody else listen to it? I've only listened to it once, but yeah, I feel the same way. I like, I like, I was like, this is really interesting without saying, like, I love this yet. Yeah, I want to listen to it some more. Yeah. It's basically my conclusion. Um, did you see them at South by Rob? No, like, I had plans to see them like two or three times, and then, you know, as, South, as it goes to South by, you just end up seeing something else. Yeah, I saw their name everywhere. Yeah, um, they played like 10 million shows. Yeah. It's kind of like thinking, oh, I didn't see them this time, I'll see them next time, and then end up not seeing them. Yeah. Um, that's the story of South by Southwest, basically. Um, Eric, you haven't listened to them yet, right? No, but I really want to. Yeah, check them out. Um, and then I, I also have been listening to, I actually reviewed it last week, this album called uh, Iron Triangle by Hobo. And um, that's, Can we just say how bad Hobo is as a name? Yeah, it, it is pretty bad. Um, What's the it, name again? Um, Hobo is the Hobo. artist's name, um, and it's it's uh, like kind of minimal techno uh, in-house type of stuff, and that's all that 
that I'll, it's one of my favorite. Pro, it's probably my favorite minimal techno album of the year so far. Um, oh, after uh, beating out all those other great minimal techno albums that have come out so far in 2012. Wow, <laughs> it's it, it, it's a, it's really crowded at the top of Will's list. We found room for this one. <laughs> yeah. You guys are a bunch of assholes. <laughs> no, it's really I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know. This is well, been... the Shins album is my favorite James Mercer fronted album of the year. <laughs> yeah. There've been there've been a few. Come on. It's, yeah, you guys are jer- you guys are being jerks. Uh, the Satisfaction is my favorite dual female fronted hip hop album of the year. <laughs> Wait, okay. Now I have to call you on your shit. There are millions of of minimal techno albums right now. That's like the amount of minimal techno that exists is ridiculous. It needs to stop, really. But anyway, this is my favorite one. Um, so far. So it's far. Different. It'll probably change. <laughs> it'll probably change because there's just so much minimal techno coming out. So. So there's a lot more. <laughs> the slate's yeah. packed for the rest of the year. Guys. <laughs> you guys don't know what you're talking about. There's been no, no one knows what you're talking about, so it's okay. Um, Eric knows what I'm talking about. Right, yeah. Come on. I, d- I already tried to stick up for you, but these guys are just being jerks. No sticking up for Will. Hey, guess what else came out this week, guys? Uh, what? Vince Watson new album. That's minimal techno. Guess what? Guess what came out the week before that? Mono Lake. That's minimal techno. Um, <laughs> we're just gonna do this the whole show. Ready? The rest oh. of the show is gonna be Will names minimal techno albums. <laughs> But they're all irrelevant it's all irrelevant because Iron Triangle is the best one. So, Except so. it's my favorite, man. Anyway, whatever. This album's really good. Uh, it's it's definitely sort of... Um, man, now I don't even know what to say about it. Um, it's... Is it because it, it's, it it's too minimal? There's just not that much to say about it? Are you giving me shit for the genre <laughs> name? Yeah. Man, I think you need to uh, check yourself a little bit. Middle of Techno is not this abstract, this sort of esoteric thing. It's been around okay. for a bit. Hey, Rob, check your ego at the door, man. I will. Yeah, man. But it's like... Um, your ego's right in checks so that your body can't cash. Exactly. It, Again, it, come on. Again. It's sort of Ric- Ric- <laughs> Ricardo Villalobosi, um, sort of that type of minimal techno, and... It's, but it's really dancey. It's surprisingly kind of, you could play it in a club and people would, would get down, which is awesome. And, uh, yeah, I had more things to say about it, but well, fucking whatever. Um, you ruined, you ruined it. <laughs> you totally did. We totally Sorry. lampooned your shit. Sorry, man. Not lampooned. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fuck it. Rob, what have you been listening to? Lost in the Trees, a church that fits our need. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I can't. I'll, yeah, I think I'll harpoon this one too. <laughs> Man, that album sucks. This sounds Lost really. Lost disease. Oh, this sounds fucking fantastic. Did you, you say Lost in the Z's? Yeah. Lost, <laughs> Lost, in, <laughs> Lost in. Lost in disease. Shut up, Rob. Shut up, Rob. This album is fantastic. Uh, if you like uh, grandiose epic folk with a emotional call, then this is the album for you, I say. Uh, Phil, you don't like it? I, I, I mean, I, I don't dislike it 
as much as I was making out, but I don't I don't share everyone's enthusiasm. It's fucking it's phenomenal. Like, see, even Will likes it. Yeah, even I like it. I, I don't find it emotional at all. I, I think it's too overdone to be emotionally like affecting. What? Well, that's because you're not. I don't like. I don't really care for the vocals too much. And and then when they kind of minimize everything, all the instrumentation, then I think it sounds kind of hokey. Wait, when when what do you mean when they minimize it? There's like one song I maybe yeah. like four or five into it where, where it's a little more straightforward. Yeah. Well, no, Vine yeah. starts acoustic and then it gets big again, and it's fucking awesome. You're, um, you're wrong, Phil. I hope you know that. My opinion is wrong. Yeah. No, I mean I I, I, I would give it like a seventy, you know, but like I just I didn't get I don't get the enthusiasm. I just don't get it. I don't know. It's pretty. It's I just, think it's stunning, man. It's a stunning album. Like it's so I don't get stunned by stuff like this. Musically, lyrically, vocally, I think it's got everything. They're one of my favorite bands at South by Southwest as well. There's six of them. They play everything from like tuba, violin, French horn. That's the cool thing. It it, is it's orchestral, and you know a lot of bands do sort of have strings and stuff, but they do it right. Like it's really intricate in that in that way. It's not just you know the novelty of having strings behind indie rock. It's it's actually you know invests in that sort of that angle coming toward their their folk music. And I don't know. That's amazing to me. Like there's amazing backing vocals, just huge. but I don't think it's overdone at all. Like it's not bombastic. It, it's it complements yeah. the, the lyrical. And, and I, I mean, I get what you guys are saying. I think I think it's very like a technically impressive album. You know, I just don't feel much when I hear it. I feel a lot, and I didn't even know um, my, on my first listen what it was. You know, it's about the death of his his mom, and like that that made it when I listened. Well, to now it, I feel like a dick. Well, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> you're just. You're just, uh, you know, sh- shitting on someone's someone's tribute to their to their mommy. Sorry, Lost in the Trees. I take it back. Good out. <laughs> you love it now. Um, Way to go. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. It's it's up there for me. Like this is one of the first albums of the year that has really kind of knocked me over, and it's like what I've been kind of looking for. Um, yeah. And that's awesome. I I I wish I'd. Rob, how did they set themselves up at South by? They plugged in all their instruments <laughs> <laughs> and just started playing them. What do you mean? No, did they have like a full? Yeah, they had everything. They had uh, like uh, cello, French horn, violin, keyboards, drums, guitar, probably some other things that I'm forgetting. Um, I mean, there's there's six of them, so they get a lot done. Oh yeah, auto harp. Um, and like a lot of instrument switching between songs, obviously people covering all the bases, make sure everything gets added. But but the most impressive thing is like the backing vocals. Like a lot of backing vocals these days are great just because they're harmonies. But I mean the way they use backing vocals live and on this record, like just as another instrument, it makes it so atmospheric and kind of haunting. And and I don't know. Yeah, I know what you it's mean. Just, it's yeah. like really they they mix it really kind of distantly, but. Um, it still has like a pretty huge impact. It's not like individual voices harmonizing. It just sounds like a, a big yeah, kind of like, wall. It's like it's kind of it's ghostly. It's like yeah, exactly. Kind of fl- floats in and out of the sound. I mean, and all this, all the instruments are kind of like that, really. But I think the vo- voices are the ones that do it best. Honestly, when I saw the review and we gave it eighty-eight, I was like, yeah, right. 
And then I listened to it, and I was like, man, we we should have given that a 9. Yeah, no, it's, fucking, any... it's fucking fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty epic. Um, anything else, uh, Rob? Uh, what about, what, about this album or anything else I've been listening to? Either. Uh, I was kind of confused when I saw them live. Because I thought it was a guy singing, but arguably, just listening to the album, it could uh, could be a woman, and the front cover is like a woman, and a lot of the lyrics are about having twins, and so I kind of thought it was a woman, and then when I saw them live, it wasn't a woman, it was a guy. Really? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a guy straight away. Yeah, I don't know, I couldn't decide. Interesting. But, um, Eric, have you listened to this? Uh... Uh, I was away for a minute trying to fix something in my house. What? What lost else? Lost in the that? trees? No, no, no. I'm not lost in the trees. You should get lost and in lost, the trees. Lost in the trees is a good name for the band. It's, it's kind of how they sound. Like I can't wait to get off this podcast and go listen to it again. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ, guys! <laughs> Phil, fucking... have you listened to Phil? Have you listened to it on headphones? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you gotta listen to it in headphones. Yeah, that's like, the thing is is you gotta get the atmosphere. It's really bass heavy too, which is not something you get from uh you know, folk albums yeah. or whatever. But it's got yeah. a lot of kick drum, which is I love. Yeah. Oh man. And I, they have some, some waltzy songs on it. Yeah, it's where the bass is good. That song Golden Eyelids, so Ah uh, Yes, I'm gonna listen <laughs> I'll, to it again. I'll try it again. I bought, I'll try I, bought, it again guys. I bought the record actually. I'm gonna give it my first spin after we get off this. You bought the the vinyl. Yeah, they were selling it at the show. So. Oh, they were. Yeah. Man, I'm jealous. Um. Yeah, man. Let's let's just end the podcast, guys. So we can go <laughs> listen to that. Listen to or it. I'll just play the whole album, and during the podcast, so everybody knows how awesome it is. Yeah. Um. Anyway, anything else you've been listening to, Rob? Yeah, the new Daniel Rossen EP, uh, Silent Hour, Golden Mile. Daniel Rossen, co-leader of Grizzly Bear, I guess. I guess he's always been my favorite Grizzly Bear member, I think, because he has Department of Eagles as well. Uh, and He's the uh, cute, cute one, right? I don't know, is he? <laughs> yeah, he's not the one that looks seriously deformed. No, I was trying it's to... One, it's the one that looks deformed? There's one that has the ugliest nose I've ever seen on a human being. I actually don't know what they look like. I was trying to make them into, like... Jesus, a... Eric. <laughs> I don't think any of them have a deformed nose. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, the Is one that's really... Ed? The one that almost looks Persian. Ed. Man, Ed's now it just got racist. He's got, a, he's got a Persian nose. Yeah, Edit there's... that out. Edit this out. <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. You guys, uh... I, I googled Grizzly Bear, assuming that Grizzly Bear would be the first thing that came up. Yeah. <laughs> there's just a lot of bear. <laughs> God damn it! Uh, the only complaint that can really be had about Daniel Rossen's EP is, I mean, whether he's in Grizzly Bear, Department of Eagles, or Solo, all his stuff sounds like this, it's exactly the same kind of music. Did he help? Just, uh, what's his name? Um, God, now I don't know. Who, uh, Ed Drost? No, it was an album in 2010. Um. It was really good. Oh, um, no, that was... Uh, That's the blonde, dude. No, no, yeah, Chris, the other Chris, Chris Taylor uh, producing uh, The Morning Benders. Is that what you're thinking about? No. God damn no? it. It was... Um, can't? You think of Can't? Nope. <laughs> they have a lot of projects, man. Uh, I think it was Chris Taylor, though, but... Um, 
what's that guy's name? He he makes like synth pop. Um, oh yeah, yeah, Twin Shadow. Yeah, Twin Shadow. Who's that? Twin Shadow. Twin Shadow and was on the Can album, which is Chris Taylor's album. Okay, it's Chris Taylor. Yeah. Continue. Uh, yeah, but I like Dan. I think Dan's the best songwriter, and he doesn't have. I also like his voice more than Ed's, even though Ed has a technically better voice. It's a bit. You think Dan's a better songwriter than Ed? Yes, better lyrics and better songs. But I mean, Ed writes also less like ugly. the Grizzly Bear songs. No, like Dan wrote "While You Wait for the Others," which is the best song on Becca to Nest. Two uh, weeks Dan, is a better song than that. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, oh, it's like in commercials and uh, oh, because no, every song that's in a commercial is amazing. No, but I mean it's like it's like a it's like a I don't know what word. It's just like it's a well, yeah, I don't even huge mean, like, song. Two, it's a huge sweeping, yeah, glorious song. Two, two weeks is the song. If you're gonna play one song off that album to try and impress someone, you go with two weeks. But yeah. I mean, if you're gonna listen to an album through and like have a favorite, oh, while you wait for those, is a great song. But I'm just saying, two weeks is a better song. Uh, but anyway, if you like anything Grizzly Bear, Department of Eagles, then you're going to like this Daniel Ross and the Feeks, because it just sounds like more material from this guy. Uh, so yeah, simple as that, really. Five tracks, they're all good. Especially the title, the last track, I forgot what's called, Silent Hour, I think. Uh, and yeah, anyone else listen to it? I listened to it once, it was alright. 69? Ah, uh, 75. 82. Let's not. We, we probably shouldn't do that. No, I just did that. <laughs> I'd, totally six the, I'd totally 69 the not ugly grizzly bear member. <laughs> Are you just, saying they're all ugly except one? Yeah, except for Daniel Rawson. Oh, man. <laughs> this podcast just got. No, I, th- I thought the Daniel Rawson um, EP has a couple really amazing songs and a couple yeah. pretty good songs. Does yeah, it sound like I, Department I, of Eagles? Sort of. I know you kind of touched yeah. on that already, but it does sound like Department of Eagles, but it's a bit less on a bit more straightforward. Uh, I think Rob, Rob said it best. It's like Daniel Rawson's songs kind of always sound like Daniel Rawson's yeah. songs. That's yeah, good because exactly. I. Uh, yeah, go on. Well, he doesn't go out of his comfort zones like like Chris Taylor did with Ken. Like that was probably more. I don't know if I if it was better, but it was definitely more commendable than the CP because he tried something different. So, I mean. This, only listen to the CP if you're like really yearning for that new Grizzly Bear album already. This is like a good, a good stopgap until we get that. Let's, are we going to talk about Willis Earl Beale? Sure. sure Have yeah. you listened to Willis Earl Beale, Phil? I listened to it. That what shit sucks. <laughs> He's headlining Pitchfork this year, so he better be good. <laughs> I heard his live show is amazing. I think his album yeah, I heard. I heard it's all about the live show, which I can believe listening to the album. But I think there's a couple of really nice songs that like that first there one. There are a couple of really nice songs, but Kiss and Monotony is really good. But yeah, and then a lot of it is just like this grating, like sound awful like. noises, and this guy's yelling at me. <laughs> yeah, and it's not even like it's not even because I like lo-fi atonal music, like something that um, like Dirty Beaches is a good example of where that is. I mean, it's, this is nothing like Dirty Beaches, but it's an example of like sort of where challenging, hard-to-listen-to music is, is, like, really compelling. But this is just, like, it's unlistenable, in my opinion. Wait, so it sounds like a Tom Waits album? No, it, it doesn't. sounds like it kind of... It's definitely got a Tom Waits influence, but... Yeah, other people compared to Daniel Johnson, 
And like, I get that, but the thing that made Daniel Johnson great was that like he was just like had these like heartbreaking lyrics and this like I think the abil- ability to, that- to tap into melodies that are like so familiar but sound so foreign at the same time. Yeah, I think the comparisons to Daniel Johnston are more in terms of his backstory than his actual sound, you know. And that's the like, thing is, it's like, I mean, who cares about a backstory? It's just like, if the if the product's not good, the product's oh, not good. Yeah. But I would and like, like to And see- then, I, I was surprised people didn't make a bigger deal about that video that came out. Like, he tried out for the X Factor, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah if like, that was Lana Del Rey. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It'd be like, oh, see, this person's trying to grab at money and, like, obviously just cares about fame. But, like, you know, this guy's allowed to do it because, you know, his shit doesn't sound like a pop album. To be fair, though, pretty different backgrounds. Oh, right and to be fair, I don't give a shit if he tried out for X Factor. Like, yeah, I, yeah I you tell care. him, Phil. No, I, I don't care. It, like, it's not, but, nothing more relevant. Like, if he wants to do that, that's fine. I'm not going to judge him or, like, assume yeah. it. But I think it's just, like, it shows, like, a lot about this industry that nobody cares when it's this guy. But it's, like, if it's Land already, they do care, you know? Yeah. Uh, also, it's kind of fake. They did that a thing where they said, "I'll oh, send send a letter to this address, and well, this old bill will send a, a drawing back to you." But they're just prints that they've already got printed out in the Excel office. Some intern is just putting them in an envelope and sending them back. It's pretty. Uh, didn't he do that like for real though? At one point. Yeah, and then now that everyone. Yeah, knows that about- is that is very. Uh, like marketing, that is that is kind of bullshit right there. What but, the yeah. the sending picture thing? Or no, what? that XL yeah. is handling like that. They have like a marketing department handling that. Like, oh yeah, that's a little silly to say the least. Um, but it's just like it's not an enjoyable listen. Like what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, it's it's really like nice. I like I like weird music. I like like kind of cool like folky music. Like I I want to like the project like. But just the songs aren't there. Like his voice isn't that interesting as people made it out to be when I was hearing advanced words. Like, oh, this voice is amazing. I'm like, it sounds like I don't know. It doesn't sound that original or interesting. I think it's it's pretty striking for right now. Like, no one sounds like that sort of like very classic kind of blues singer. Um, like, I don't know. He changes his voice so often that I don't really know what people mean by that. But- <laughs> I know exactly. It's a, it sounds like a different voice from song to but song. But I like when he like really gets into it, at, like that sort of southern blues kind of that swampy voice. That's pretty. Yeah, awesome. and then and then some drums come along that sound like fucking shit and ruin everything. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I don't think they're like he starts playing his out of tune piano. That's like you know someone threw out the back porch. <laughs> like, like that sound. That kind of sounds awesome to me. P- out of tune piano, like. But it really just isn't used in a compelling way, which is kind of the point that I would make want to make is like lo-fi stuff, shitty, shittily tuned stuff can be like really well used really well. But like this is just like not very interesting at all. I kind of think I kind of think if you're going to use an out of tune piano, you have to sing in tune, or if you're going to sing out of right. tune, you have to play. Can to sing out of tune, you got to play in tune. You can't have out of tune, out of tune. It doesn't work. You have to be Neil Young. Yeah, maybe you have to be... If, every, if everyone was Neil Young, that'd be awesome. <laughs> if only we were all Neil Young. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just... I don't like it. I don't know what else to say. I, the, the thing is, like, I don't even really know why we covered it. Like, 
because it came from XL. It had a great backstory. The first single okay. evening's kiss, first first evening single evening's kiss was fantastic. Pitchfork was covering it. Pitchfork, Pitchfork put him on their lineup. Like yes, he's relevant. The XL yeah. thing justifies it, I guess. Yeah, but if I mean, it was it, just some t- self-released kind of. Low-fi. Oh yeah, he w- wouldn't be getting any attention at all, which is I feel bad about because you know there's probably like loads of artists out there who are as talented, if not more talented, than him who just haven't been found out by XL because maybe they don't have a, a, an interesting backstory that's marketable. So I mean, wait, so what's this guy's backstory? He's just a guy who traveled to. He's originally from Chicago and he went down to somewhere, maybe New Orleans, if I remember, and he just he worked in a hotel by night and wandered the streets playing music to people by day put up you know he didn't have any tumblr or myspace or whatever and he the only way he advertised was by making hand-drawn flyers and he'd get people to show up and if he'd try and play music to as many people as he could and then that was basically it it's it's like a pull yourself up by your bootstraps type story which is i don't know like i hate how we how we anti- we kind of package those backstories into thing, I mean, if this is the only reason why he's getting any attention, it's like almost insulting, like to that backstory in a sense. I don't know. Angers me how much we care about that stuff. And there was also something about Mos Def wanted to make a movie with him about his life or something, but I don't know, I don't know if that was true. Sure. I'd watch yeah. it. Well, if it if it's you know if he has, I don't, good... I don't think it's going to happen anymore. But that was like one time thing. Not after he, he gets a fat fifty two from Beats per Minute. <laughs> <laughs> do we think he's going to get good reviews elsewhere? What do you think? Probably. And I'm I'm interested to see how they just because like I don't I don't think Pitchfork will have them on their lineup without giving it a good review. Yeah, that yep. would just seem bizarre to me. It's like, yeah. Pitchfork's going to give it a good review. But how good? I mean, in the... Well, it's got to be like an 80 or up. I mean, they, they, they wouldn't they, give this unknown artist like a 7.2 and then put him on their Pitchfork lineup. They've you know? done that, though. Like, they've given... An unknown artist, a 7.2, no previous recordings, and then put him on their lineup. But Pitchfork's done some weird things recently. Like, they had Youth Lagoon playing one of their showcases at Pitchfork. They had Youth Lagoon... Coming out with a, a sixty-second thing today, but did you read their coverage of Youth Lagoon at, at South by? They absolutely tore his show to shreds. They were saying how bad it was. Yeah. It wasn't bad at all. It's weird. I don't know. Pitchforks, very strange. A lot of Pitchforks coverage of uh, South by was negative. In fact, yeah, wow. it was. Um, Everything was good except for fucking Doritos, right, man? <laughs> Doritos and Taco and Taco Bell. That was those were the winners of South by. I know, man. If I don't get people complaining about free tacos, I just I'll never get that. <laughs> I think it's free tacos, guys. <laughs> I think it's. I the, think it's kind of like no one was actually complaining, but people were just joking because you know it's so cool. I know, but it's still, I mean, it's free tacos. So yeah. much corporate bullshit, man. It doesn't get better than. Free I think tacos. that's a fair point, though. Let's not write corporations off for t- what that these companies put up all this money so that bands that otherwise wouldn't have a platform can play for people. Yeah, but fuck them. They're the fucking worst. That, I don't think they were propping any bands up that like needed the the platform. You think that all those bands that played at the at the Hype Hotel and Hotel Vegan and and all these different places could have 
could have afforded to to do this without some of the backing. Yeah, I saw a ton of bands that had no backing and were doing fine at that at the festival. But they got free tacos. Those bands, they ate for free. Our, our friend Zach from We Listen For You, he negotiated a year long free free Taco Bell contract for Youth Lagoon. It's pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> he pretended to be their manager or something. Yeah. What I realized, which was, which I felt, you know good in my very armchair way was that we kind of um, inadvertently didn't go to any like really corporatized shows or I didn't did you go to the hype hotel or yeah I only went once to the hype hotel to okay. see the game well um, I didn't so I'm obviously the, the better man here so you didn't get um, any of those free tacos no me I, I, got, I got free tacos I paid thank for my tacos you, thank you Rob did you get some breakfast tacos Actually, yeah, I barely they, ate. They didn't have. They didn't have breakfast tacos. I barely. No, ate. not not there. I mean, did you get breakfast tacos in Austin? Oh no, no, I didn't. How? I didn't. What? Did you Sorry. get Migas? Get what? Migas Tex Mex. No. Phil, by the time we got to the uh, to, the, to the city, it was like three in the afternoon. It was so hard to get downtown. God damn. And yeah. the weirdest thing, the like one meal that I had downtown, or actually one of the two, I think was at this grilled cheese stand in the convention center that was shaped, shaped like a hollowed-out block of cheese. It was very strange. Um, <laughs> but I got a double-decker grilled cheese there. It was pretty pretty rad. Shout-out to uh, the Big Cheese, Austin, Texas. Um, I, we should just talk about South by Southwest now, right? I guess, if you want. Not that we already aren't. Um, uh, I thought we segued into it. I thought it was a smooth transition. Yeah. I'll edit it, it into a smooth transition. You ruined, you ruined it. It was a smooth transition. We started talking about um, it. <laughs> but the thing about the Doritos thing that was ludicrous, I don't know, several people tweeted pictures of this. They had a stage, and then above the stage was like three more stories high, yeah. made to look out, made to look like a King Kong-sized vending machine of, Dor- of Doritos. <laughs> yeah. Kind of awesome, but at the same time, like, so no, garish. not at like, all awesome. Unnecessary. All that. It was like... Like you couldn't help but feel it was awesome to begin with. Like, holy shit, here's a five-story tall Doritos vending machine, and then you're like, but seriously, Doritos, do they really need this much advertising? And also, they gave out so much free Taco Bell and Doritos that I don't need to. I don't need to get any more Doritos or Taco Bell. I. But no, of, now I, you'll crave it though, and you'll, when you come back to California, you'll be like, I need to get more of those tacos. <laughs> Maybe. How did I not see? Like, I had no, I had no run-ins with free tacos or free Doritos at all. Like, not not. It like, was one thing, wasn't it? Wasn't it a Dorito taco? Oh, yeah, was there was, but there was a Dorito taco, and they were like Doritos <laughs> being given out on certain stages. Ah, uh, well. okay. Someone was withholding or something. Well, you, you didn't go in the hype hotel, so. No, I didn't. Um, That's where they were, man. You're so anti-establishment, Will. I am, man. Uh, it's because the hype hotel was retarded. You had to get a separate wristband, right? And it was a paper. You can't it was say a... retarded on this podcast. Oh, sorry. The hype hotel was ridiculous. Um, the hype hotel had some learning disabilities. Yeah, they give you a paper wristband, which to me, paper wristband means you take it off after one day. But apparently, we were supposed to keep it on for the whole festival, which is why I only went in there one time because I tore it off after that and I couldn't. Get yeah, it. you gotta keep that shit on, Rob. Stupid. I actually. They had that for Fader for it last year when I was there. Same thing. Like, he had to get a separate wristband. 
Uh, yeah, I but, um, I, which I got, but then I never went to Fader for it. <laughs> All right, so let's break down South by Southwest, Rob. Uh, wh- who's your favorite group, and where were they? Uh, my single favorite performance yeah. is very difficult to nail down. I think Kishi Bashi was my favorite overall. Who is this violinist? He, he does like a similar thing to Owen Powell and Andrew Bird and whatever, but he... He did. I think he had a few more tricks up his sleeves than either of those guys. Like he did some songs that was just like pure classical, like looping his shit. Sounded like he had a string quartet. And the best thing about it, let me go back a bit. The best thing about it is I saw them at this uncorked wine bar, which is a pretty small venue. It was the back garden, like a patio. And even though it was right by the highway, like you can hear the highway or anything, it didn't feel like we were in a city at all. It felt like we'd been transported. I don't know somewhere to the country and he played and he had songs where he did beatboxing and songs he's got an amazing voice as well and i've just been listening to his album actually uh and that's really good uh and yeah if you like that kind of quirky and it pop loopy kind of stuff it's very good uh other than that simple kill is amazing i know that was your favorite will yeah that was my favorite by far simple cure that that was that was such a cool show because like it was such a small room, such a small, unassuming, kind of anti-South by Southwest room. It was sort of this ballroom with low-lit, just a low-lit ballroom with chandeliers and, like, velvet couches. And, and Yeah, it's like it's like a place that would be a fancy nightclub. On yeah, and I was there for that whole showcase, um, and no one was there. Um, like, absolutely no one. And then once uh, Sepulchre was, like, kind of revving to go... It got it, it became like a dance party. It was so fun, um, and that was their only show that they played, and no one was there. It was so cool. Well, no, I mean the place packed out by the time. But even that. Place no, no, but I mean out. relatively to just like every other event at South by Southwest, there was still only like less than fifty people there. Like, no, not less than fifty. For like sixty or seventy, I think. Don't you think? Yeah, well, sure, but like my point is that you know that it it felt very off the beaten path, despite being. Um, kind of one of the, I guess you could say bigger, bigger acts of South by Southwest. I don't know. Bigger um, dance acts, I suppose. Yeah. And there's not much dance music at South by Southwest. Did, um, did either of you guys go to the Boiler Room TV party? No, no. we couldn't, couldn't get into that. We couldn't I heard, I heard it was like the craziest thing there. I don't know. Yeah. But that's, that's, Travis Stewart came straight from that to the Seth Cure show. Okay. Fucking rocked yeah. it so hard, and really it's cool too because uh, um, Praveen Sharma, who's the other guy in Supple Care, was like one of the best performers of the whole of the whole festival yeah. for me. He like, was so I, I awesome. I don't think I saw a more charismatic or someone who was as into his performance as him at yeah. the whole festival. You got some good like, pictures of him. He was hard to take pictures of because he was just so active all yeah. the, the whole time. Just singing along and dancing and whatever. Just looks so happy. Which makes a huge difference. Yeah, it does. When you're seeing a show. If they're into it. Yeah, it really does. Which is... Uh, and also, it got the crowd into it. Which is one of my things I disliked about South By. It's like, a lot of the shows felt like people were just there like, Oh, I've heard about this band. I'm going to check them out. I'm not going to... Really exactly, yeah. Invest myself into it that much. Which is why one of my other favorite sets of the festival, Glenn Hansard, which I only saw... So I showed up early to see Lost in the Trees. It was the anti-records showcase, and he was playing beforehand. Like the crowd there was like amazing. They're all singing along, and 
and getting really into it and cheering like way louder than any other crowd I saw at the festival, which made the whole performance like way more special. Yeah, it, was weird. it really was like wherever I went, the front row was so docile and just like staring. Even when the even like the men like, which is a really active group, and they were really into it. Like the Consequence of Sound party didn't really ever get super rowdy. I yeah, like I saw Michael Cronin as well uh, before the men, and he put it, they, him. They killed it. That like their set was amazing, and everyone was just standing still. I was trying to, you know, provoke some movement, but like no one was having any of it. Trying to but throw some punches. Credit to Michael Cronin, Ty Siegel, and Co. They still absolutely killed it, and that was that was one of my probably top five of the week as well. Um, the guess who I saw, Eric? Uh, I don't know. Who did you see? White denim. Oh, yeah, how was White Denim? They were fucking awesome, man. That I was, told you, man, they jam hard. Yeah, they were. that was another group where they just looked like they were having such a good time, and that yeah. was, and that's really fun to watch. Um, the, crowd, the crowd was pretty good for that one. Yeah, yeah that was, was the good. same day that Rob saw Tycho, right? No. Uh, no, that was the next day that we saw that. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, speaking of that, that was the Ghostly International uh, party. Uh, we saw Shigeto, uh, Tycho, and... Matthew Deere, which were all fantastic. Like, yeah. Shigeto got, he had like a drum kit and he was just, he, at one point he did like an extended drum solo. And this is a guy who makes like sort of um, brain feeder esque trip hop or hip hop. So that was really cool, playing live drums the whole time. And then um, Tycho was like, I mean, Tycho is like, I don't, what is that? Like, just kind of down tempo sort of chill out music but they it was like space rock when they played it live it was really yeah cool. just probably why it had more effect on me live than he's um he's he's never played anywhere i've lived so i've never gotten the chance to see them which is a bummer but yeah it's like yeah, a they, trio. Play, they played as a three-piece which i didn't expect and they played like live guitar bass drums so i thought they were gonna play he was just gonna be behind a laptop doing whatever like but yeah it was great and then matthew Deere was fucking man i'm gonna i'll say that Beams is my most anticipated album of the year now, after seeing that. It was so... He had, like, two drummers. Um, They're all dressed in, like, matching suits. There's a Wait, trumpet, who? Matthew Deere. Oh, Matthew Deere. There's, like, a trumpet player. And I don't... They... He has changed this. I mean, he's, like... He used to be, like, a tech house artist. Now, I don't know. It was, like, psychedelic disco or something. I don't know. It was so awesome. Um... With like tribal drumming, I don't know that that was definitely one of the best shows I saw there as well. Um, what else? Taxis, taxis are really hard to get in Austin. Taxis were impossible to get. Even two days after South by finished, it was hard to get a taxi. So how did you guys go? Did you call them? Yeah, online. Yeah, a taxi. Yeah. But they but, just wouldn't answer for for long periods of time. Did you try the internet? Did you try booking online? Yeah, that was less. That was less of a, you know, because you I just was, get no feedback as as to whether they even give a shit or not. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, it was difficult, I guess. But like, especially just from the house, I would just go online and you put a time that you want to pick up, and someone would always show up. Really? I think yeah. I think it was worse. I think it was really bad this year. I think. I, even people who've been before seem to be surprised by how bad the taxis were. Uh, and it, coming out, I think it's because they just had twice, like, the, it's getting too big now. There's too many people for the taxis to handle. There's like, too many people for that city. Yeah. 
Uh, we came out at 2 a.m. one night. Was that the night we saw Matthew there? I guess it was. Yeah. You saw Matthew there. And yeah, at 2 a.m., we started looking for a taxi and we didn't actually get one until the, an hour later when we walked like 10 blocks away from the center of the thing. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. One of the coolest things I saw, um, and I have a video, maybe I'll post it on the staff blog. I was just walking down the sidewalk and there's this just drummer and guitarist just going crazy and had gathered a crowd of like 30 people who were just all moshing. It was, it was awesome. A few too many drum circles on 6th Street for my liking. They block up the whole street. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's my fault for walking down 6th Street. What else? Did we... Did, how was... Um, I left on Saturday. How was uh, the Saturday stuff? Saturday was, like, the worst day. Oh, like, really? I didn't get down till late. But, no, I saw Beach Fossils and Deer Hoof, who were both amazing, uh, in the, the darkest and sweatiest venue in the world. It's a place called ND, but it was cool. It was cool. It was like a felt like an old school club show because it was just so packed and so dark and felt intimate, and no adornment on the stage. You know, just black everywhere. Uh, and then I saw Built to Spill in the evening. Built to Spill. Oh no, yeah, this is another thing. Built to Spill was all the way south of the river, so we had to walk across the bridge. And really? as we're walking across the bridge, it's around seven thirty at night walking across the bridge and there's a line all the way along the edge of the bridge. We're like, oh shit, is this the line to get into Build to Spill? So I was like, I went up to some guys like, what, what are you guys lining up for? And he's like, oh, bats, man. We're waiting for the bats. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? So we, we found a clear space on the rail. We went over to the rail and we saw like, there's people all down in the, in the park below waiting and there's like boats out on the river waiting and then, and then bats just start flying out from under the bridge. It's like a huge deal. Like everyone, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And and once you've seen the bats there, you start noticing that bats are a big deal in Austin. Like we carried on walking down the street after it's like, oh, there's a statue of a bat. Went back to Sixth Street. There's a place called the Bat Bar. Like bats yeah. are everywhere. It's like a huge deal. Like you don't notice it until you've heard about the bats. Oh, we ran into Daniel Gill from Forcefield. Uh, as after we'd seen the bats, and we were like, hey, Dan, did you know about this bats? He's like, dude, I've been to South by Southwest so many times, of course I know about the bats. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And did then you we see Built to Spill? Yeah, we saw Built to Spill. It was like at this really random, I don't think it really had any affiliation with South by whatsoever. It was at some hotel that, in the parking lot and it was being put on by some local commercial radio and most of the people there didn't know who Built to Spill were. Uh, but yeah, they put on a good show. It was fun. Phil, but it was like it was like their sixth or seventh show of the week, and I think Doug March's voice was a bit uh, tired. Yeah, but their guitar playing was still on point. Phil, were you the one that said you you didn't want to go if you didn't have a badge? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that sentiment. It's like <laughs> a lot of people go just for to the free stuff. But uh, I I lost my badge on Saturday, so Saturday evening I couldn't get into anything. How'd you lose your badge? Uh, Wait, never mind. Because the I, I know, I know, Rob. <laughs> I shouldn't ask Wait, you. How you know this? You know the plastic thing, the the thing you put around your neck, and you got a plastic yeah. thing. Someone bought that off me for twenty bucks and let and let me keep the badge. So someone offered me twenty bucks for the rest of it. I was like, why the hell wouldn't I accept that? And then I was just keeping it in my pocket. And, and then, then on Saturday out. you realized why. <laughs> you yeah, Saturday it, it fell out of my pocket. And my I lost it. My bra- I was a bracelet we- or wristband wearer, and that broke on Friday. But shout out to Austin Convention Center 
for replacing it for me. I was super worried that I was I was just done, but it got fixed. You're done, Will. Yeah, man. Couldn't get all that corporate swag that I needed. <laughs> Couldn't get all those Doritos tacos. Um, but yeah, I had a I had a blast. I'll say that I don't know if I'd do it again because I was trying to explain it to people who I was ta- just telling about it coming back, and it's like you see a lot of amazing things. Like it's you have great memories of the festival, but like beyond that, there's so much kind of logistical hassle and just kind of I don't know. It's it's a, I don't know. It's a trek. It's it's hard work. Like it's not like other festivals where you just things are shoved out in front of your face and you watch them. It's like you have to really work at it. And yeah, it's it's hard work. It is it is much more of a convention than a festival. Yeah, but it's awesome at the same time. Like it's so amazing. Um. So yeah, I don't know. You have to be ready for it. I was not ready for it. I forgot my ID the first day. My phone <laughs> wasn't charged. It was awful. Got to take your phone charging with you everywhere, man. Yeah, and I didn't do that. And always be charging. Yeah. If I went back, I'd be totally ready. Um. How do you guys feel about wrapping this podcast up? Yeah, I think yeah, we're good. All right, so uh, we'll be back next week. Um, anything else coming out on the site that we should plug? Our live album feature is going to come out sometime soon, I think. Has everyone written their blurbs for that? I forgot. I haven't even started. All right, that's been the podcast. Uh, see, you, see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. Oh, wait, we need a word. If you made it to the end of the podcast, the word to tweet at us is uh lego lego yeah lego all right at the game for real now bye